This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Good morning, everybody. We are starting our new series today entitled Mama Always Says, and you already know when you hear that, it's going to be an interesting series, right? You guys noticed I had my shirt tucked in. I couldn't stand it. I had to untuck it while I was down there. So anyways, it's just, it's just, can't do it. Anyways, so we're starting our new series, Mama Always Says, and kind of where we were thinking as we were beginning to start this series uh, is that there's so many sources of wisdom out there in our world or, or sources who think they have wisdom, right? And so we begin to think about how Mother's Day's right around the corner, and I started to think about all of the wisdom that I've received from my own mom over the years and how there's so many, uh, our moms are really one of the greatest places that we go to uh, for, for, for wisdom. Like there's even a phrase or a saying about moms because there's so much wisdom that comes from our moms. They're called old wives tales, right? Now I ain't no old wives in here, right? Amen. Right. But that's just a saying, right? I'm not calling anybody old. I'm just saying that's, it's, it's, it's a sign. It's, it's a respect. There's, there's wisdom that comes from our moms. Like there's things in us that have been ingrained in us because it's what our mamas taught us and maybe even probably some things that are crazy. Am I right? Like some things that other people are like, you do what? Well, my mama told me. My mama always said. And we don't change. Why? Because mama said. Mama said. And so as we begin to think about where all this wisdom comes from or, 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 or getting wisdom from our moms, that, that was the question we started to ask is where do the good things that our moms teach us, the wisdom, the good wisdom that, that our moms teach us, where did they get it from? Where did it come from? And so what we started to realize is that we believe that true wisdom and all good wisdom comes from God. And so we said, why don't we do a series on wisdom and look at the, the really the wisdom literature in the scriptures, the book of Proverbs. And so what we want to do is we want to kind of walk through over the next six or seven weeks some of the major themes in the book of Proverbs. And we're not going line by line because if you were to go through and read it, which I hope you do, you'll see that there's a lot of repetition and really it's kind of like one-liners over and over. And so what we're going to try to do is look at and find the major themes. And so um, as we're looking at Proverbs, it's important that you know that it's written by a guy named Solomon. Solomon was one of the kings of Israel. He was, as a matter of fact, he was the third king of Israel, and he was the son of King David. And King David's pretty famous, right? The giant slayer, King David. We all know about him, but Solomon was one of his sons. He became king, and he wrote Song of Solomon. We also call it Song of Songs, uh, Proverbs, and the book of Ecclesiastes. And so we're going to look at uh, we're going to look at Proverbs. But one of the most interesting things about King Solomon is that when he was younger, he gets visited by God really in a dream or, or some kind of God comes to him and basically tells him, Solomon, I'm going to give you one thing. Ask me anything. Ask me for anything. I'm going to give you one thing and I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. Now, as I'm saying that, we're probably already having the wheels turn in our heads about what we would ask for, right? Like if somebody we don't like, God, get them. Strike them down, Right. Or maybe God, give me lots of money or give me a big house or like that one, that God, get them. You know, <laughs> some of you guys have experienced that, right? Right. But Solomon doesn't ask for money. He doesn't ask for, uh, he doesn't ask for uh, pleasure. He doesn't ask for all these different things. He asks for 
wisdom. Above all things, he tells God, he says, God, I, I want wisdom. And God was so pleased with his request that the Bible says that, it, that God made him the wisest man on earth. And I remember reading this story as a kid or hearing it in Sunday school or whatever it was and thinking like, God, I want to be like Solomon. I want to be like that. And I remember asking God, God, give me that wisdom. And some of you guys are going, Mike, you missed it. (laughs) He did not grant that request. But it's always been in my heart since I was a young kid because I was taught about Solomon that we should chase wisdom over other things, that it's more valuable than other things. And I do believe that if we seek it with a genuine heart, that God will give it to us. If we seek the wisdom that is from God, I believe that he will give it to us. And I'd like to think that maybe he's given me some over the years, right, to make some choices, help some of my friends and family, my church, you know, maybe hopefully there's some wisdom that's trickled in there. But I believe if we seek it, he will give it to us. And our theme verse for this series comes out of Proverbs chapter four, verse seven. And it's this, it says, wisdom is supreme. You guys know what supreme means? I'm not talking about the brand. I'm talking about wisdom is supreme. It means it's above all. It's the best. It's the most important. It's above all things. And he says, so get wisdom. And whatever else you do, get understanding. So wisdom is supreme. It's above everything else you could chase after uh, when it comes to knowledge. Wisdom chase wisdom first over money, over success, over all those other things. Chase wisdom. And he's going to tell us later on, whatever it costs you, go get it. He's going to tell us it's more valuable than gold. It's more valuable than silver. Whatever it costs you to attain and gain wisdom, pay the price. Pay the price. And so Solomon asked for this over money, over anything else, and God granted it to him. And so you're sitting here this morning, you're going, so that means that Solomon must have known a lot of stuff. I mean, maybe, but wisdom and knowledge are two very different things. Am I right? Like we know a lot of people who know a lot of things who are very stupid. Am I right? Can I say that? I can, right? I heard an amen. That's right. (laughs) Solomon didn't just know a lot of stuff, but he had wisdom. Let me give you some examples. Knowledge is what builds the Titanic. But it's wisdom that says, hey, sell around that iceberg, right? Knowledge can teach you how to build a house, but it's wisdom that builds a family home. Knowledge knows a lot of stuff about God, and surely we know a lot of people that know a lot of things about God, but wisdom walks with God, follows God, submits our lives to God. Wisdom comes from God, and so I think that if we can seek God, and in this series over the next few weeks, if we would seek God and ask him to make us wise followers of Jesus, I think he'll do it, because we don't just want to know a bunch of stuff. We want to be wise followers of Jesus. And so as we look through this, this, this book, if, if you paid attention to it, if you were to go through and read it, uh, really the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs really are building the case for wisdom. And so Solomon's telling us why we should seek it, why we should want it, why we should chase after it. And what I want to challenge you to do is to make the book of Proverbs your Bible study, your devotional for this month. So there's 31 books and the book of, or 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And I know we're on May 5th, but you can catch up those real five real quickly. And I would just encourage you, there's 31 days in this month, I think. And just read one every single day. And men, especially, I would, I would encourage you this week, read the first nine at least. And, and men especially read five through seven. 
Men especially read five through seven. So that's just a side note. Make that your devotional this morning. We'll be together on it. And so the first nine, build the case for why we need wisdom. And then 10 on starts kind of the line by line uh, Proverbs. And what's interesting is in the first nine chapters of the book, and really, I mean, throughout the whole thing, but specifically in the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs, we're introduced to four different kinds of people. And so what I want to do briefly this morning is introduce you to those four types of people, and I want to challenge you to identify yourself, which is always dangerous, right? If I'm going to give you a list of people, I want you to go, hey, tell me which one you are. You don't have to tell me, but pick out which one you are. Uh, that's, that's challenging. That's hard because I'm going to go ahead and give you a sneak peek. One of them is called the fool. Now, when I talk about the fool, there's going to be a lot of us in here who go, oh, I know one of those. Oh, y'all got awkwardly quiet on that one. Must be the person sitting next to you. (laughs) But there's not going to be a whole lot of us that go, that's me, Mike. I'm the fool. But what I want us to do as we walk through these is I want to encourage you to try to identify which one you are. And so the four types of people that we see in the book of Proverbs. The first one is called the simple, or what I'm I'm calling the simple. Proverbs 7.7. He says, I noticed among the inexperienced, I noticed some of, uh, I noticed among the youth, a young man lacking sense. And so he's talking about someone who's who's young, who's inexperienced. And he says, he's lacking sense. Now this person that he's going to talk about, they're not, they're not wise, okay? But they're not wise because they don't want to be wise. They're not wise because they really don't know any better. They really haven't learned enough yet. Like this week, my son Gideon found one of my screwdrivers uh, laying around the house. I don't know why, but he found it and he's going around fixing things, which I thought was really cute until he started trying to stick the screwdriver in the socket. That's, that's not a good thing, right? And so I didn't go over to him and go, you stupid kid, you should know better. No, because he doesn't know better yet, right? And so when I go over and I take the screwdriver, I explain to him, hey, buddy, we stick this in there. It's going to go real bad, real fast, right? And so like if you heard the story about me at the electrical box a couple weeks ago, similar situation. Um, if you don't know it, I'll tell you later. But these people, the simple, the book of Proverbs says that they have to learn based on their life experience or what we would call really the hard way. And so because they haven't experienced a ton of life, they don't really know any better yet. Or it could even be you walking into a new job situation. You don't know the politics yet. You don't know the culture of the job yet. You don't know really what's expected of you yet. So you don't have a lot of wisdom in the job. It's new to you. Or how about a new relationship, right? Like I'll tell you this. I am a lot more wise now after seven years of marriage when it comes to marriage than I was on year one. Can I get an amen? Amen. Where's Katie at? She's like, amen. You still got a lot of long way to go. <laughs> but these people, they're, they're called the simple because they don't know any better yet because they haven't had life experience to learn yet. And this often is really younger people, right? Teenagers, people in their 20s, a little bit younger than that, right? I couldn't I was a youth pastor I remember just watching teenagers and being like, what are you doing? Right? Like everybody around you can tell you that this is an awful idea and you're going to drive that thing right off the cliff. Am I right? (laughs) There's a famous, uh, I won't call her a theologian because she's not, but a famous, a wise woman. She once said, when you're 15 and someone tells you you, they love you, you believe them. That's Taylor Swift for anybody who doesn't know. (laughs) Some of you are like, man, that's so deep. (laughs) Now you're going to start listening to Taylor Swift. This person, the simple, what they believe that, right? They believe it. They don't know that that person is trying to use them or trying to get something from them. They don't know any better yet. 
And so this person needs people around them, the simple person needs people around them who will guide them to God's truth, who will guide them to, to what God says about things, to speak into their lives and lovingly guide them when they simply don't know yet. They need people to take the screwdriver away, show them why it's a bad idea so they don't have to get blown up, so they don't have to carry those scars with them. Our, our job when it comes to the simple or the unknowing or the inexperienced is to do, lovingly guide them and help them so that we can hopefully protect them from scars that they don't have to carry with them guiding them to Jesus. And I say this is very, very important. It's, it's important that we don't look down on this person. A lot of times we look down on this person. We, we, they should not be looked down on. They're to be loved. They're to be mentored. They're to be guided, not looked down on, okay? So the first person we see is, is the simple one. The, really the cure, I, I didn't put this in your notes, but you can write this in there. The cure for the simple is really time. They need life experience and a teachable spirit. If you don't have a teachable spirit, you're never going to get there anyways, right? So time, a teachable spirit. The second person we see in Proverbs is the fool. Anybody that one? Just kidding. You don't have to raise your hand. I, saw, I think I saw some. This person knows what's right, and they refuse to do it. Now, we all probably know one or two people like this. Proverbs 10.23 says, a shameful conduct is pleasure for a fool. So they know better, they know it's wrong, but they enjoy it, they're going to do it anyways. So wisdom is for a man of understanding. So sin feels good for a season, you know, we all, you enjoy it for a little bit. And he says they know better, they don't do it. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, the one who walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. You hang out here, you spend time here, you spend time with these kind of people you're going to experience harm. You're going to experience pain. In, in layman's terms, it's the Bible's way of saying to lay with dog, you're going to get, dogs are going to get fleas, right? I think in Christianity, a lot of us do this even as Christians because we know the truth. We know the right way. We know what God's calling us to, but oftentimes we just, we just don't do it. And I don't know if it's because we don't take God seriously. I, I, I don't know what that looks like, but the truth is, is if we continue following, we're going to get burned. And, and the only real cure for the fool, at least according to the book of Proverbs. And this one is kind of hard, but really the only cure for the fool, because they know better, and if they choose not to do it, the Bible says is tragedy. The Bible says is difficult circumstances that shake them up, that shake them up. This, this person, in a sense, has to be kind of shaken out of their foolishness because they know the truth, but they don't care. And it often isn't until something comes in life and shakes them up that they realize, I got to change. I got to seek Jesus. I got I to gotta do better. And if you're here today and you feel like maybe you relate with that one just a little bit, let me just warn you now. Change now. Listen to Jesus now. Follow Jesus now. Seek Jesus now because I don't want you to have to walk through that. And you say, well, Mike, that's really mean. Why would God do something like that? Well, the truth of the matter is, is that the most loving thing that Jesus could do for you is to allow something like that. The most loving thing Jesus could do for you is to shake your foundation a little bit and wake you up to the truth. And he does that because he loves you. Otherwise, he would let you stay the same and slowly die. Like, let me give you a really simple, um, a really simple example. <laughs> My son Gideon, if he runs out into the street, I discipline him. Why? Because if he, it's not because I'm mad at him. It's not because I hate him. It's because if he keeps running into the street, running into the street, running into the street, eventually he's going to get by, hit by a car and die. 
And so when we're living as a fool, when we're walking, God's telling us the truth, we know the truth and we're refusing to follow it. At some point, God's going to come in and shake you up because he loves you and he wants to say, quit running in the street, man. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. It's not out of anger. It's out of love. And, and what's great about our God is that he can take those things and use them to redeem you and reshape you and heal you. And so my prayer for you this morning, if you feel maybe that's you, is that God opens your eyes today and you seek him so that you can just go ahead and start following now. You don't have to walk through that other crap. All right. Number three. So number one, we have the simple. Number two, we have the fool. Number three, we have the mocker. This is just getting worse. The mocker is the fool on steroids, man. The fool on steroids. The mocker is the one who, and and again, we probably all can identify these people. The mocker is the one who controls other people through criticism. They control other people through passive aggressive behavior. Uh, They control other people through mocking. And the mocker is the one that I would be if it wasn't for Jesus, because I am really good at sarcasm. I am really good at being passive aggressive. Just ask my wife on my worst days, right? The, the mocker is the one who knows the truth. They don't just not care about the truth, but they mock the truth. They're passive aggressive. They criticize the truth. And here's how the Bible says we should deal with someone who's the mocker. Proverbs 9, 7, and 8. It says, the one who corrects a mocker will bring dishonor on himself. What? The one who rebukes a wicked man will get hurt. Don't rebuke a mocker or he will hate you, but rebuke a wise man and he will love you. What the Bible says, this is crazy. Here's what the Bible says about this person. Let them go. Just let them go. And it's not saying they're too far gone, or they, but they're saying, let them go. Because you interact, you correct them, they're going to hate you, they're going to mock. It's just not going to work out. And they're really the only cure for the mocker the scripture says, is God. It's for this person to get saved, to experience Jesus, and have his healing and transforming power change them. And what I would say today is, if you feel like maybe that's you a little bit, you're, you might fit in that category, I would encourage you to repent today. Let Jesus help you. Let him change your heart. And, and let me say this, let him heal your anger. Because if this is you, you're probably pretty angry about some stuff and that's why you fall in this category and let God heal and, and, and heal that anger in you. So number one, we have the simple. Number two, we have the fool. Number three, we have the mocker. And finally, we get to the one that we want to be, the wise. Proverbs 9, 8, 9 says, don't rebuke a mocker, he will hate you, but rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Instruct a wise man, and this is so cool, instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will learn more. What the Bible says about the wise is that the wise are two things. They're teachable and they're humble. They're teachable and they're humble. And what I've learned is that people who aren't usually teachable, it's a result of two things. One, they're really arrogant and they think they know it all. Or number two, they're really insecure and they can't let you teach them anything because it speaks to their insecurity. But the truth of the matter is that their inability to be teachable will will keep them from being able to grow and seek and find true wisdom. And what I would say about the wise that we see here as well is that they don't just know what wisdom is. Because the fool knows what wisdom is. The mocker knows what wisdom is. But the wise, they don't just know what wisdom is, but they apply it to their life. They do it. G.I. Joe taught us that knowing is half the battle. But knowing is only half the battle. 
if you don't do anything with it and that knowledge doesn't get you very far. Like, like I know how to eat healthy. Do you know that? If you came to me after church, you're like, Mike, I want to eat healthy. Can you, can you help me out? I can tell you recipes. I can tell you, I can tell you how you can eat healthy. I can help you out there. I could tell you that, but that doesn't stop me from eating two bags of buttery popcorn at 1030 at night and following that up with a couple bags of chips. And I'm not joking. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know what, how to eat healthy. That doesn't mean I do eat healthy, right? Knowing is only half the battle. The wise, they're teachable. And the wise take these principles and apply it to their lives. The Bible says if you correct a simple person, they're not going to understand it. If you correct a fool, they're going to ignore you. If you correct a mocker, they're going to hate you. But if you correct a wise man, he will thank you and become even wiser. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I know which one I want to be on this list. The mocker is probably the most fun but I want to be the wise. <laughs> Proverbs one twenty three says, if you respond to my warning, I will pour out my spirit on you and teach you my words. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Proverbs 2, 4 through 6 says, if you seek it like silver and you search for it like hidden treasure, talking about wisdom, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And so as we want wisdom from God, as we want to be wise followers of Jesus, first and foremost, we have to understand where we are on this list. Am I, am I the simple? Do I want, know a little bit, but I don't know enough? Do we chase after that wisdom? Am I a fool who needs to start applying it? Am I a mocker who needs to repent? Or hey, are we the wise who want to get wiser still? Like once, once we identify kind of where we are on that list, then we can start seeking wisdom even more. And Proverbs 9 and 10 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So as we begin to seek wisdom throughout the series, the first place we want to start after we've identified kind of where we are, we're starting to chase after this wisdom, really where we want to begin is here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And what I think this verse means is that as we seek wisdom, we have to have a correct relationship or a correct understanding of who our God is. As, as, we, as we seek wisdom, we have to put him in the right place in our lives. And it starts with, they say, the fear of the Lord. And you say, what is that? I, I think of it like this. Like if I were to bring a lion on the stage, matter of fact, we have one. No, I'm just kidding. What if we did? Would, that be, would y'all be impressed? If I were to bring a lion on this stage and say, don't worry, guys, he's tame. He's fine. He won't hurt you. Would you believe me? But why, why not? I'm a preacher. I wouldn't lie to you. But would you still have a little bit of a holy fear for that lion? You'd look at those paws, you'd look at the claws, you'd look at the brute strength, you'd look at the teeth, and you would go, that lion has the potential to do some pretty powerful things, and we're going to have this holy fear, this, this reverence, this respect for the lion. I, I, think, I think it's kind of like that, because what we have to understand about our God is we have to put him in the right position, the right place in our lives. We have to understand that life begins and ends with him, that we are to submit to him. And I think that the view we have of our Lord is going to determine the relationship we have with him. And so as we begin to seek wisdom, I want to, there's just a couple things I think that we need to declare about who our God is this morning as we begin. There's three declarations of the wise. Three declarations of the wise. The first thing that the wise declare about God, and I want us to kind of make this a statement as we seek, as we begin this series, this is who, what we're saying about our God. The first declaration of the wise is that God is right. God is right. Psalm 19, 7 through 11 says, the instruction of the Lord is 
perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making, this is a good word here, making the inexperienced wise. If you're inexperienced this morning, if you're the simple, where do we go for wisdom? The Lord, the word of the Lord. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. In order to be wise, we have to begin, that we have to understand that, that wisdom comes from God. And so we're not going to follow culture when we seek wisdom. We're not going to follow the world around us because culture shifts and culture's truth changes by the hour. But we're going to put our faith in God. We're going to put our faith in God's word. We're going to trust God's authority on all subjects. And we have to understand, if you want to be wise, you have to understand where wisdom comes from. If we want to be wise, we have to understand where wisdom comes from. It doesn't come from culture. It doesn't come from the world around us. It comes from God. And so we start there. And, and what we do, and I'll just give you my best, honest thing. We look at this thing, the Bible, and we do our best to look at orthodox history of the world and what this thing says, and we try our best to follow it. Do we do it perfect all the time? Maybe not, but we will always say, this is right. God is right. He is our authority. And so we got to start there. If you want to be wise, we have to start with God is right. Number two, we say this, God is awesome. Oh, he's cool? Yeah, he is. But no, he is awesome. He is awe-inspiring. Like if we come in the presence of the Lord, it's like, oh my goodness, right? There's a story in the book of Job, um, and if you know Job, like things just go really bad for him really quick. He loses everything, he loses his family, he loses all this stuff. And at one point in the book, he basically begins to shake his fist at God and say, who do you think you are to let all these things happen to me? Who do you think you are? And God responds with, let me tell you who I am. I'm going to read just a few lines. It's one of my favorite chapters in the scriptures, just a few. He says, who do you think you are? And God says, let me tell you. Job 38, verse 1, it says, Then the Lord answered Job from a whirlwind. And if God's coming in with a whirlwind, things about to get crazy, right? Who is this who obscures my counsel with ignorant words? So he's going to call it Job straight up. Hey, you ignorant fool, let's talk about who you think I am. He says, Get ready, ready to answer me like a man. And when I question you, you will inform me. Man, this is, I never want God to talk to me like this. Like if he starts like, God, I'm sorry, whatever you say, right? I, I apologize. He says, where were you when I established the earth, Job? Tell me if you have understanding. Who fixed its dimensions? Certainly you must know. Who stretched a measuring line across it and supports its foundations or laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Who enclosed the sea behind doors when it burst from the womb? And when I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its blanket, when I determined its boundaries and put its bars and doors in place, and when I declared you may come this far and no further, you proud waves, stop here. God's response was, Job, who do you think you're talking to? When we look at God, our response is, as we seek wisdom as God, you are awesome. You are awe-inspiring. You are the king of kings, the creator and sustainer of all things. And we bow before you, Jesus. Please just let us have some wisdom. <laughs> to be wise, we must first learn to be humble. And that begins with humbling ourselves before God. And the third and final statement we want to make this way, this today is that the wise, or excuse me, that our God is holy. Our God is holy. 
We sing that song today, holy, there is no one like you, right? Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside him. Our God is perfect. Our God is set apart. Our God is holy. And and I just want to say this this morning, like I joke about untucking my shirt and stuff. And in this place, we're pretty laid back, right? Like we get coffee. I mean, you can drink your coffee in here. You can spill your coffee in here. It'd be okay. Well, we don't want you to do that, right? I'm in jeans, right? Whatever. We're, We're pretty laid back when it comes. We meet in the elementary school. But when it comes to the way we view our God, we are not laid back. When it comes to the way that we see our God, like God walks in the room and we stand at attention. Yes, sir, God, whatever you say, God, we follow you. You are holy. You are perfect. You are almighty. You are good. You are the creator, the sustainer. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And I say all that because I think sometimes we treat him a little nonchalantly. And and I, I think I say that because sometimes we think that he owes us something. And let me tell you this morning that our God owes us nothing. Well, Let me rephrase that. Our God owes me nothing because he has saved my soul by the blood of Jesus Christ. He has redeemed my life. And anything on top of that is icing on the cake, baby. Anything on top of that is God's just blessings that I am so grateful and thankful for. God has paid the price for my sin and he owes me nothing. And so I bow before his feet and I declare, God, you are holy. There is none like you. Thank you for what you have done for me. You say, Mike, that's kind of like Old Testament, old school thinking. Well, check out Hebrews 28, 29. This is pretty cool. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom, this is us, because we Christians are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us hold on to grace. And by it, may we serve God acceptably with, look at those words, with reverence and awe. (laughs) For our God is a consuming fire. I don't know all of what that means, but that's pretty powerful, man. Psalm 77, 13 says, God, your way is holy. What God is great like our God. And so as we close today, what we're going to do is we're going to worship our God because he is holy and there's no one like him. And as we seek wisdom, we start off by declaring, God, you are right. God, you are awesome. God, you are holy. And we bow before you in this place. And so I want to ask you to stand up with me this morning. And we're going to close by worshiping our God. And what I want to do, go ahead and stand up with me. Is I don't know where you are on these things that that we've been talking about today. But my goal as we seek wisdom today is that we would raise the level of awe that we have for our God in this place today. That wherever you are, like you can be more in awe of our God, right? So I want to raise the level of awe that we have for our God today. I want to raise the level of respect that we have for our God today. I want to raise the level of worship that we have for our God today. I want to raise the level of honor that we have for our God today. Let us glorify him with our lips this morning as we sing and worship our God. And so I'm gonna pray and we're gonna sing that song one more time. Holy God, there is no one like you. There is none beside you, God. Open up my eyes, let me see, God. So I'm gonna pray and let's, let, us, let us worship with our hearts this morning. God, I love you. Thank you for who you are. God, as we seek wisdom, God, let us understand where the source of wisdom comes from in the first place. God, you are the source of all wisdom. And God, I, I want to be the wise. God, I, I want to be the wise. I want to be wise. Lord, we all, everyone in this place wants to be wise today, God. And so I pray that you would grant that to us, that you would give us wisdom, that as we seek you, that you would teach us your ways, that you would teach us who you are and that we would follow it. We would be obedient to it, Jesus. 
but that it all starts with understanding who you are. We can't understand your wisdom if we don't understand you. And so God, we declare you are right. God, we declare you are awesome, awe-inspiring, life-changing, and you are holy, God. There is no one like our God. Lord, we worship you. We worship you, Jesus. It's in Christ's name. Amen.